Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome into my favorite White Sox. You know, when I came up with this idea, and it was swimming around in my head, I didn't think I would have as much fun doing this as I am, but I really love it. And I love the the matching component that we have to it, too. My favorite cub, which my guy Joe Kilgallen does, and... There'll be an episode out later on this week. My guest this week is one of my favorites. Phil Donlin's a Chicago dude, and you'll be able to hear it. <laughs> and he is definitely Mr. White Sox. There's no doubt about it. He, uh, he, he put on Instagram, and he tagged me in it. He was going to the I think the he was doing going to the, the White Sox Dodgers game. We talk about it inside the episode. But whenever the Cubs play the Dodgers, he'll go to the game and wear his White Sox hat because he's that type of White Sox fan. His career in Hollywood, he's done everything. He's been an actor, he's been a director, he's been a producer. He's got something in the works with Fox coming up once there's no longer a writer's strike and an acting strike. He's been working on power, which is great. I keep telling folks, if you're looking for a baseball movie and you don't want it to be your cookie-cutter baseball movie, high and outside, you need to watch it. It is so good, and he's so good in it. So I had to hit him up, and when I told him, when I told him, I said, look, this is what the podcast is, like, this is the project, you know, this is what I'm, I'm trying to do, like, it's not really a let's bitch about this year's White Sox, it's more of a celebration to the White Sox and the players that we loved and throwing bouquets at folks that we absolutely adored, whether it was as kids or as adults, Mike Hall was on the first episode. You can go back a couple weeks and you'll find it. And he talked about Mark Burley, and it was great to talk about Mark Burley in the way that we discussed him. But when I told Phil what the project was, he said, dude, I'm on it. So then he sends me a picture of his grandmother selling hats to Dick Allen. So inside of here, you're going to get a two-for-one. Dick Allen is not his favorite, but when you have a relationship like that, you have to talk about it. So my guy, Phil Donlin, on my favorite White Sox, 
You'll hear who his favorite is and how it impacted him coming up right now. Yo. There's the superstar of superstars. What's going on, brother? How are you, my man? Oh, man. I, I got to tell you, uh, I am just so hyped that you even asked me to do this man are you I'm, serious I'm, dude i'm i you have no clue like i gotta say like massive honor to talk about like old comiskey and harold baines with you i'm like dude and it's a bright spot right now too because we got the strike going on out here <laughs> yeah we got, the, we got the writer's strike and the actors are about to strike and i had two jobs taken away so it's kind of like for me in LA and everyone who's in the business, it's like the pandemic all over again. Yeah, I can imagine. No one, but no one else knows, knows except for us. Yeah, I, I, I get you on that. Um, well, great. Well, we can get started, and I, I, I want to continue on that thought for a little bit. I, yeah, man. I have friends. You know, some of them work in in Hollywood, like you. I'm very lucky to have friends like you that work in in the business. But I know that there's like a a contingent, a Chicago contingent right. out, out in L.A. Most of them are Cubs fans. Are there any other Sox fans out there? I mean, there's a good, yeah, there's a good, there's, you know, I've, I have found them, of course. Of course you have. I, I have found the Sox fans out here amongst my my crew. But, um, yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, I mean, but look, I mean, that's kind of like the cool thing about about doing this with you today because, we get to talk about the real fans, which are Sox fans, because Cubs fans aren't real fans. We know they're not real fans. I hope you're recording. I am. I I I uh I reposted you at the White Sox Dodgers game, and man, did it get a reaction. So for people who didn't see that, this is your like thing. Like whenever you go to a Dodger game, even if yeah. the Cubs are playing, you're wearing your White Sox gear, right? Always. Always. And you know what? At that game in particular, which we had some we had some nice seats. I had some some, you know, and I and I love uh, my 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 Dodger fans out here. And so I had a crew and they're like, we're playing your boys. Come with us. They had really bomb seats, stadium club access, the whole thing. And so we're down we're down in the front. And so, you know, the, the Sox at the game I was at, they were doing great. It was like bomb after bomb after bomb. Oh, was that the game when they hit four solo home runs? Yes. And I was standing. And so, I, of course, I would stand up and like on the fourth one, I, you know, I got a little cocky and I go, you know, I'm so I stood up and I'm clapping. I go, I'm so tired of standing up. And the fans were like, they <laughs> they did not like me. And there were a few lone Sox fans that were like, you know, we we're pointing at each other. And then I went upstairs to the stadium club and we were, we were eating food. And then I noticed that the Sox started bringing in the relievers. And I told my guys, I'm like, look, game's over now. Game is over and not in our favor. And sure enough, the grand slam. And I go, you know, I'm just going to stay up here. I'm just going to stay up in the stadium club. I'm not going to go back down there because I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get, I am going to get torn up by Dodger fans. Oh, no doubt about that. They've been waiting for that. And that game was just like, I think, I think I was watching that game, you know, West Coast games. You're trying to figure out how to get the most sleep before you go back and do the talk show the next day. Soon, yeah. As soon as the Grand Slam was hit, I turned the television off and went to bed. I was it's like, I'll, just, I'll catch up the next morning. It's just so hard. I mean, you know, because we know, and I do, and I listen to you, you, you and Bernsey all the time, you know, and it's like the, the, the just the relief pitching is just so 
shaky. So it's like any t- it's like there there's always the game's always going good four innings five innings in and then of course Lopez comes in I go all right I'm gonna go do something else <laughs> I can't watch it my heart can't take it I feel you on that all right so wait let's 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 move away from the current team let's have a little bit of fun here how did it all start with you and the White Sox you know my family. You know, I, I sent you that picture on uh, on IG the other day because I, I also have to say, you know, again, thank you for having me on. Huge honor. And it's been kind of like this. I've I've been prepping like for like I'm doing like a college thesis for this. I'm not kidding since you asked. So I started talking to a lot of family to jog the memory. And it kind of has been a, an emotional journey, to be honest, to, to go back and talk about old Comiskey. And I found out a lot of stuff. And really where it started was, um, you know, my grandparents, they had season, they always had season tickets. Okay. Always South Side people. And that was just sort of a thing. So it was kind of like I was born into it. You know, that it was just kind it was just kind of a, it was just kind of a thing. My uncles made like their, you know, their t- their contraband t-shirts. They were out in front you know, Southside Hitman, they were, they were whole, you know, they were selling them and all that stuff. So it was just kind of like in, in the Donlin family blood. I don't know. You know, it was just something that I had, I had no choice. All right. Yeah. But then let's talk about that picture though. Cause that's a fly ass picture, Phil. Yeah. Yeah. So, so your grandmother was selling hats to Dick Allen. She was selling cigars. So my grandmother, she was a, she was a gangster, man. My grandmother was the first, she worked for Consolidated Cigars. I just found all this out like a few days ago, man. It was, it's wild. So she was the first female cigar salesman in the Chicagoland area at that time. And so she had an account with Dick Allen. And he, he, they'd chill and they'd smoke cigars. And she drove a a van, uh, which I got a picture of in it. So you opened up the back, it was the size of a minivan, and it had like a full humidor in there. What? Yeah, because she'd drive around, and then she would sell the cigars to who, you know, like cigar shops or liquor store or wherever she was selling them. And so she would, my Uncle Steve, actually, he was, he was telling me she would come home, and she would sit in the backyard, and she'd just smoke a stogie at the end of the night with my with my grandpa and i thought that's pretty cool so yeah she uh you know that was that was wild man and dick allen i mean that's you know that's white Sox history right there that's a player you talk about a guy that i think never got his due the fact Correct. that he's not in the hall of fame is a is a travesty to me Thousand percent. when you look at his numbers him being an mvp like i think a 900 plus ops like the guy was a monster um, and he never quite got his due. So the fact that you got you got that connection to him, man, is super dope. I know it's, it was really wild. And then I whipped out too, just just for today's interview. I had I had to whip it out. The Baines the Baines eighty threes. Oh, that's yeah. signed. Yeah, it's signed by Baines right there. That yeah, so. that's awesome. So how how did Harold become your favorite player? Yeah. And again, I had to like think about all this stuff and it was wild. So I remember, so I was like six or seven or so, and I was playing little league ball, right-handed hitter, but I was lightning fast. I was speedy, you know, 
And so my coach at that time went to my dad and said, you know, because we were moving into the you know, off the tee and into pitching, he's like, Phil's really fast. I didn't have a lot of power, but he's like, Phil's really fast. And if we switch him to the left-hand side and he can learn how to bunt, he can get he's, – he's three steps closer to first base, and then he can just, you know, run around those bases. And so I made that switch to the left-hand side of the plate. And when you're a kid, at least for me when I was a kid, I didn't want to be different than anybody. And there was really no left-handed hitters. And when I switched to the left side of the plate, I got made fun of. Like I was treated as if, you know, like – because really there was there's just what not a lot of lefty pitchers, not a lot of lefty hitters, just like when I was growing up in the league I was in and around my friends around school. So I just felt different and – Maybe I'm blowing it up because that's how kids remember stuff. Sure. But I just remember feeling different. And when I would go to the Sox games, Harold Baines, man, left-handed hitter. And I thought, that's the guy I want to be. Because he was such a superstar on that team. I thought, I'm just going to be Harold Baines because he's the coolest dude. I mean, that dude's so cool, he struts sitting down. I mean, that's how cool that dude is. I mean, he was like Mr. Smooth. I mean, the dude, <laughs> it was as if there was no effort in anything he did. His swing, his run around the bases. And so literally, I remember as a kid, I'm like, I want to be Harold Baines when I grow up. Not even a White Sox player. Like, I just wanted to be Baines. I just thought he was the the, the coolest dude around. And he kind of became my guy. You know, number three is my my number. It's my lifetime number. and. You know, for me, he, he was also like, he kind of taught me as a kid, like the way to be, because I remember my my friend, my next door neighbor, he had this life-size poster of Baines and it had like a measuring tape on it. I don't remember it. And it said, I do speak softly and carry a big stick. And, you know, I just thought Baines was just like, the classiest act in the world. And I really, as a kid, I didn't know it, but I just thought, you know, he really taught, you know, in, in like in little league and stuff like that. And kids are always chirping. They're always, they're always talking smack. And he was just Mr. Quiet. And I thought that's, that's how, that's how you keep your head down. You do your job. And so, and plus Baines, dude, he always looked the best. He, he was the best on the play. He had the jersey. He had, the, he didn't have the, the, the short stirrup, socks that hit you know it was the little line yes. lined up with his pants he had both batting gloves so i had both batting gloves the helmet he fit did. perfectly on his fro too like yeah. you talk about cool like yeah. and i mean don't get me wrong dick allen oscar gamble those dudes yeah. where it was on top of the fro was great yeah. but harold harold had that perfect look man the, the hair was just perfectly manicured and it fit perfectly inside that helmet Yes, absolutely. Yeah, man. Harold was the the dude. And also, you know, leg kick. So when I was playing Little League ball, I started doing the leg kick. And my coach was like, no, 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 don't do that. And you're so like, they, I'm he, Harold Baines, man. I'm doing that. It, but when we would go play at the park, I had the full leg kick. You know, I had the leg kick on steroids, man. I was – but, you know, so – um, but, yeah. And then the other thing about him, too, was I was an outfielder and and dude had a gun. Mm -hmm. People forget that about Baines, man. In right field, that was a laser beam. And I, the other thing I loved about Baines was he played a lot of his career injured. Yes, you're I, right about that. 
he wore that knee brace under his pants. And that dude played injured. Never heard the dude complain. Went out there, did his job. I, I, he, he was, he was really my hero, man. He was really my hero. Isn't it amazing what it is that like kids latch on to? You know, where you go, oh man, like that dude's cool. Like, right. I want to be like that guy right there. Like, it, it's amazing, like what catch, catches our eye. And for you, it's it's stuck with you. Like, it's oh, yeah. it's stuck with you for forty years. Yeah, man. That's wild. I know. Well, that's the that's the thing. It's like when I was thinking, you know, and I, you know, I was thinking about Comiskey as well, which is it's a whole other thing. And you know, I, I was thinking about it, and I was talking to my dad. I'm like, you know what? Man, we were lucky we got to go to Old Comiskey. Like lucky. I mean that that's a ballpark. I mean, that was at the time, I think that was the oldest ballpark in in I think in major league history. It was like nine I think it was built in 1910. I think originally, I think the center field it was almost like 440. Mm-hmm. I mean, they eventually changed it, but you're going like, whoa. I mean, 440? To center field. You better be Greg Lazinski to get the ball out of center field. And, and, you know, I read as I was doing a deep dive, I read that Baines was the one who got in Dan Evans' ear about moving the plate up, which I didn't know. But he was like, in every other ballpark, I'm hitting it out right field. It goes in my own park. My my stuff's hitting the warning track. So Dan, he got in Dan Evans' ear, and I guess Dan Evans moved up the plate. But but anyway, I mean, you know, just that whole, you know, going to old Comiskey. And when I was going, and my team's the 83 team, because that was like, right, you know, when I was a kid. And your guys on it. So, yeah, 83 will always be my team. And I in any, any, you know, you know, through the 80s. And so, I mean, you go to the ballpark and no one was ever there. Nobody. It was always empty. And it, and it was, you know, we went all the time you know a lot of night games and it was cheap and you could bring your food in you put you packed a lunch you could you could you know you could bring your food and we would and i remember my brother and i as kids my parents would be watching the game we just ran around the park we just took off and ran around and went all over the place and you could always you could move down to the golden box if you sweet talked andy fran <laughs> you know the ushers. Yeah, you'd be stuff. like, "Hey, man, you know, no one's down here. They'll hook a brother up." Yeah, and they were losing thirteen to nothing anyway. So who cares? <laughs> Nobody in the upper deck. I mean, when you watch all those replays of of like any of the old like news shows and stuff, anytime the bull hit one of it, you look all the entire. There's like one dude sitting like, way in the corner, and he's running to go get the ball because there's no <laughs> one else up there. Exactly. He's like, I finally got my shot. I'm gonna go and I'm gonna get that ball. That's but it was, but yeah, it's it, you're right. It's like it's, it's a part of like it's in me. It's kind of a part of who I am, no doubt about it. You know, what was it like for you when you heard that Harold Baines was going into the Hall of Fame? Man, that was it. It meant everything to me, especially because he was he went in as a DH, I believe, mm-hmm. and that's an underrated. That's a very underrated role as far as I'm concerned, you know? Um, so I just thought of all the dudes and and there was a lot of, 
Well, I know we're on the podcast, so I guess I could say there's a lot of shit talking about Baines getting in. But those are just the haters because I, I really thought, man, that's the right guy to give it to. So, it, it, you know, and I had friends calling me as if <laughs> this was my honor. And they're like, man, did you hear Baines is getting in? And I was like, yeah, I know. But, um, yeah, so it was um, it was emotional. And his speech was beautiful. Um, it was exactly what you would expect from him. And you know what I think is cool about it, Phil? I I thought it was cool that, like, there were so many people who were lobbying for Harold. And he was like, whatever. Like, right. his cool, he never, ever has lost being cool. He was just like, oh, okay, that's very nice of you to think that, you know, I'm a Hall of Famer, but I'm not going to go out and campaign for this. Right, absolutely. Well, that was a part of what made him so great. I mean, he was just a dude who... I mean, it was all on the field, you know. I mean, he wasn't making excuses for himself. Uh, he was just out there doing it. And it was almost like, you know, and if, you know, if dude had a bad game, he just came out and did it again. It was as if he did, it didn't affect him. But my recollection of Baines was that he was kind of – he was the dude that kind of always was the hero. So I thought it was like he – if there's like – kind of like a modern day Roy Hobbs. He was sort of it because he's the one who hit the 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 ball the center field in 83 you know against the Mariners that Julio right was Cruz. Yeah, Juice Cruz, yeah. Yeah. Tag, they clinched. Baines was the dude who ended the 25 inning game against the remember the longest yes. game in American history took two days and eight yes. and a half hours to play and Baines just gets up in the 25th inning hits it over the you know hits it over the fence he ended it he was always the dude where you knew he was always going to make something happen and it was as if he's kind of like oh whatever I'm just I'm just Harold Baines no big deal but he was uh, you know he was the dude with two strikes that you knew was going to come through. And he did. He, he's some, at least that's how I have chosen to remember it. He always came through um, in a, in a very big and dramatic way. Um, so yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was well-deserved for Harold. It's great being able to talk to you because you're such a baseball fan, but you also made a, what I, I think is an incredible baseball film. High and outside, I recommend it to people all the time when they say, Lawrence, what's a great baseball movie? I was like, if you haven't seen High and Outside, you are, you're doing it wrong. Um, and, you know, like, personally, you, you know I love you, but I, I, that movie was great. You were great in it. So yeah, I'm sitting here wondering now, like, now I'm thinking about, like, all the training, everything that you did to, to get ready for that movie. How much Harold Baines was in there? Like what? What were the, the the Harold Baines thing that you were trying to make sure that your character had? Oh man, that's a wow. That's a that's a that's a great that's a great question. I mean, you know, I don't even know. I don't even know if I if I really thought about it in any kind of conscious way. I I think, you know, it's just um, you know, it was just in me and a part of it. You know, I mean. You know, I think, you know, probably 
a lot of the just the baseball stuff I did was probably subconsciously inspired by him because I played the, the, the character in the in the first 10 minutes or so which is the baseball stuff um kind of reserved and quiet because the rest of the movie is out loud he, like, he was an asshole totally out loud man <laughs> he was an asshole that, that that you know three quarters of the movie he's you know jake lamotta from raging bull or tony soprano or whatever but yeah the baseball stuff it was more like I was trying to downplay it subdue it um you know probably like when i walk off you know when i strike out and walk off from the plate that's probably a little Baines there. He's just sort of taking it and just walks off, you know, as, you know, reserved. But yeah. is what's, what's it feel like to like take a, like you're passionate about television and film and writing and directing. You're passionate about baseball. So what yeah. was it like to take those two things and put them together? Doing hide outside. I mean, that was like, that was the absolute dream come true because, you know, as we know, we, you know, we talked about this before it was, you know, I got to meet all my heroes anyway, you know, I got to meet Clemens, I, you know, I got to meet Inky, you know, I got to meet, you know, uh, Pedro Guerrero and Wally back everyone who I had baseball cards from, I met all these dudes and hung out with, which was even more fun than the the actual baseball training part, which kind of sucked because these dudes were hard on me. They weren't easy on me. They're like, dude, you suck, man. You're lucky you're an actor, dude. You suck. But they were good, but <laughs> they they paid me the compliment after the fact because they were just do they were just really trying to get me because I told them I gotta I'm 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 doing this. Um, they were I'm, trying to I'm, get you to that place. Yes, absolutely. For the one game I had to play. But but it was it was a, it was a great thing because I knew, you know, although I you know growing up all I wanted to be was a Harold Baines, aka a White Sox player, you know, not even a baseball player, just the White Sox, you know. I just wanted to like live in the ballpark. But you know, knew that would never, as I got older, that would never be the case. So um, it was nice to finally merge it together. And really kind of lit. I mean, frankly, it's like a fantasy that I lived out. And it's there for me to watch any anytime I want to watch it. But when I watch the movie, I think about all the scenes that weren't filmed, that happened off screen. And that's the, um, for me, that's the, the, the beauty of doing that movie because it was the hanging out with, and all the dinners I had with Clemens and listening to him talk about all that stuff, you know, hanging out with, with Inky and listening to him talk about all, all the stories you heard from Robin Ventura. Cause that was his buddy, you know, like the, all those kind of cool things, right. You know, talk, talking baseball and really hearing the players talk about like shitty owners and dudes who were cool dudes who aren't, you know, d you know, that dude's a dork, you know, that dude kisses ass. That guy's great. He can drink until, you know, all the alcohol and all the, in, in the entire liquor store and still show up to the game drunk and hit a grand, you know, you, you hear the real stuff and that's, um, you know, that's cool, but it also made me appreciate how hard it is to be a professional baseball player. Last thing I got for you. Yeah. Let's say that, you know, we run into each other. I'm hanging out with Harold Baines and Harold Baines is uh, is is available for you to ask him a question that he has to answer. Honestly, 
what would you ask Harold about his life or his career? You know, I probably would ask Harold if he was if he wasn't a baseball player, what would he what would he have picked to do? You know, because if so, because people ask me, well, what, what what would you do if you weren't an actor? And my answer is be a baseball player. Right. So I would ask Harold, I would go, Harold, if you didn't choose baseball, what would it have been? Because you usually find out a lot about the person with whatever their backup option is. You know, like if Harold's like, well, I love to garden. That would tell me a lot about Harold Banks. Right. Okay. You know, I want to be a chef or I want to, you know, you sort of start to, you know. um, Wouldn't it be crazy if he was like, I always wanted to be an actor. (laughs) (laughs) And that would be cool. I wanted to be you. You can be me. We'll just, we'll just switch it up. Just switch (laughs) it up. And that's it. Let me me put on, let me, let me put on some of the hall of fame stuff. You know, Kenny Williams style, like the dude who broke into his house and put on, (laughs) we'll just switch it up. I'll pretend to be you. You pretend to be me. Um, That would probably be it. I would probably ask. That's what I think I would ask him. Phil, you are, um, man, you're a delight, man. You, you know, you know how I feel about you. I don't have to even say it, but you're a delight, and I'm glad that we got a chance to do this because I knew, like, the whole idea of this podcast is to talk to people who are super passionate about the White Sox and their favorite players. And I was like, man, I bet Phil has got stuff. So I'm glad that you were able to share and and we were able to kick it and, and talk a little bit of White Sox. Man, I I mean, again, a true honor. You have no idea. I mean, I really uh... – you're one of you're one of my favorite journalists, you know, just in general, you know. And uh, so it was to, to be able to come on and talk about Baines and the White Sox, man, any day, any day, you know. So my brother, thank you so much for doing this. You got it, my man. So big thanks to my guy Phil. He's a trip, man. He, he's. I'm looking forward, like, I think he's going to be in town in a couple of weeks and just sitting there talking with him about the White Sox is going to be amazing because we'll obviously be talking about the current White Sox, and I'm, I'm sure he's got thoughts that he would like to share. So maybe we'll, he, he might be the one person that could get me to spend money and go see a game this year just so I could sit there with him and the two of us just bitch about what's going on with the White Sox. But I loved his love letter to Harold Baines. He's right, too. Like, And getting a chance to know Harold as like a coach and stuff, as I got older and I was working in the business, I always liked him. Now, he was super quiet because Harold is always quiet. But every now and again... You know, if he didn't like something that you did or he'd say something like it wasn't he wasn't like threatening or anything like that. Be like, hey, why'd you blah, 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 blah. And I always appreciate that. I always appreciate when people in our business will say you're off track. and Here's why. Sometimes I defend myself. Sometimes not all the time. Sometimes I go, no, I'm not. And here's why. And then that person would be like, oh, yeah, you're not off track. No, Harold was just cool. And I think in the 80s and the 90s, I feel like he was, like, one of the things that you could say about Harold Baines was that Harold Baines was cool as hell. 
Like the whole look of like the the hitman. Like I have a jacket. And you know what? Shakia Taylor got me this jacket. I have a White Sox zip-up jacket that, honestly, I was like, I'm going to look like Harold Baines in this jacket. That was what I was going for. That shows you, like, the level of cool that this dude is. So I'm glad that he got into the Hall of Fame, and I know that some people have a problem with it, and I understand the people's problem with him getting into the Hall of Fame. But it is just a museum, so I'm not tripping. But I love hearing, like, hearing what Phil said about him being right-handed and being like, nope, I want to be Harold Baines. So now I'm left-handed. That's quality. I knew he would be one of the people that should be on this podcast, and I'm glad that he was available. He's also just top-notch dude. Support his work, man. Power Book 4. If you're watching, you're like, oh, that's him? Yeah, that's him. Wherever you can find high and outside, trust me. Trust me. You will appreciate it. It's dark. And it's meant to be dark. And I think that you will dig it. I love that movie. And I love Phil. He's a good man. Thorough. All right, that's our latest episode. We thank you so much for giving us a little bit of your time, allowing us to take you down memory lane, have a little bit of fun, Maybe dance a little bit in your chair. You can't tell me that this doesn't feel good. You know it feels good. Sing it with me now. All right, I will talk to you next time. Get another great guest to talk about your favorite White Sox, their favorite White Sox. Thanks for listening. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.